0: Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league the WNBL in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you.
1: I've had people come up to me that I know, that I work with, that I speak to, and they're like, I was watching this basketball on TV, it was so fast, it was so exciting, and there was one person in particular who was like, who was that smaller lady that was so fast? Shanice Beckford-Norton. I was like, you want to watch Shanice Beckford-Norton every week? Watch the WBBL. And it really gave exposure, I think, to a lot of the the talent that we have.
0: In episode 82, we're travelling the world. Dynamic UK duo, Kazzy B and Daz join us for this lively episode as we're talking about the exciting developments in UK hoops since the last time we caught up. There's the unbelievable perfect season for WBBL champs, the London Lions, along with some of the names leaving an indelible mark on the English basketball scene, not to mention the silver medal that England landed at the Birmingham Commonwealth Games 3x3. But we don't stop there. We explore the state of play in the WNBA, a league Kaz and Daz first connected over, and some of the challenges and frustrations in the big picture of women's hoops as we approach a Women's World Cup with key players, MIA. Always a load of fun when we catch up, but we don't skirt the serious topics either. It's an all-out ball of a pod. Enjoy Around the World in episode 82. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining us today back again Kaz and Daz from the UK joining myself and my co-host Jacinta Govind guys how you doing (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're doing good. We're doing good. It's been a while, hasn't it, since we've, uh, we, we did this last time, just before Christmas. But it's been busy. It's been busy in the world of British basketball. We've been busy, I guess, personally doing loads of different things for um, a lot of different teams, getting involved in a lot of things. Um, but it's been a really, really exciting sort of end to the, the British season. And we're about to kick off the new one in a, about six weeks' time. So that's super exciting as well.
2: Yeah, thank you for having us back again. Been keeping up with what you guys have been up to, and you've been you've been crushing it. And uh, yeah, so thanks for having us back. And yeah, it's been a really busy, exciting time in British basketball. And uh, like Cassey B says, we're a couple of weeks away from getting ready for a new season, and and what that's going to hold, and a lot of question marks about what that's going to hold. Really.
0: Yeah, it's like we were following all things along, and like i got to be honest, I still have problems getting my head around this one, but the London Lions swept all four trophies.
2: Yep. Didn't lose the domestic game.
0: No. 36-0. Was it 36-0? Uh,
1: 24.
2: I'm going to go with yes. I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> 24 plus three. No, more than that, maybe. Anywho, yeah. They, they didn't no. lose. Perfect. Yeah, I, 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 the I, 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 game.
0: It's
3: the O. Yeah, Never mind the number of
0: wins, it. it's the O. <laughs> Man, that was just amazing.
1: That, that and, was an, an incredible team. That was a re- I feel like that was a really, really special team, a really special season, and I, I just think that shows what British basketball can do.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of pointing to the future too because when you think about it, it's like if you can string together performances like that, it can't be that far off before we're going to start seeing British teams in world championships, you know, figuring in the Olympics. It can't be that far off.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that Lions team, of course, sorry, Kaz, no no. In, But they had um, two Olympians mm-hmm. who played back in 2012. Of course, Joe Leedon-Warner, who is, if not the GOAT, is certainly in the conversation for the GOAT. And uh, Azania Stewart, who I've been lucky enough to co-commentate with for the, on the men's side of things at the back end of the season, so, yeah, I mean, they had that Olympic pedigree already and the learning that would have gone on under the learning tree of Joe Lead and Warner unmatched. So, yeah, like you say, there is real excitement for the future about a number of the players on that team from last year and uh, what they're going to bring back this year.
3: Because I noticed on your both of your social media accounts and, like you said, gearing up for the next season – Uh, You've both been posting, you know, new signings across the league. So how much would the London Lions be able to retain that legendary roster?
2: Yeah, they've done a really good job retaining. Um, I don't know if we've got the full roster list, but we've been seeing the players that they're bringing back and the players that they've brought in as well. It's looking really good. They have lost a couple of players who didn't feature heaps last year. They've also lost Cassie Breen, who... If you're able to replace her shooting, you've done really well. And it looks like, I think they may have done just that. They've brought in WNBA talent. They've brought in Belarusian international talent. And they just signed, called? Thai Battle. Thai
1: Battle, yeah, from uh, Colorado.
2: Yeah. So the team is looking, again, the big one is they've lost Julie Warner Like she's retired. Kaz, I'm doubting myself as per she has retired, yes. She
1: has retired, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she... I remember her telling me that at the end of the uh, after the championship game, and me being like, "Nah, come on, like let's <laughs> yeah, let's run this back." Yeah, she's like, "That's the last time you'll see me." But um,
1: she she announced it with a great post as well on Twitter. She just put "retired" C post, and she she posted something on Instagram, but it was just very
2: <laughs> yeah. The Lions' build is looking really positive. They've got a new general manager in as well, so. The organisation has taken another step, I think, in that professionalism, just will to win and will to dominate, and they're going to be back in Euro Cup again, which is going to be absolutely enormous.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting because we recently had Lena Wallen-Cancy from FIBA on the show, and she was talking about the European basketball and the quality of play there. Yeah. Um, It's going to be interesting with the Lions going into that competition because it's just going to raise the quality of the play. To me, it it seems like raising that quality of play is going to have a big impact on the WBBL generally as well. So we're going to start seeing that improvement across the board.
1: I think you saw that as well in the second half of the Lions season. So obviously they were like a very good team all the way through the season. But I think you saw that difference. So they played the Euro Cup between, I want to say, sort of October to December. And the team looked, you know, they looked good, but... After January and after that experience, I think they looked incredibly tight, very together. And obviously that comes with playing together, you know, throughout the season. But I do think that experience will definitely have helped push them towards that. And it, like you say, just brings up the standards of the league. Yeah, and,
3: and Lena did actually refer to the Euro League in our episode as the best league in the world, you know, yeah. ahead of the WNBA. So it makes sense that the Lions have come back. You know, stronger and probably a little bit more cohesive after that experience, given they'll probably be exposed to a lot better variety of competition, having to handle different situations and adversities and things like that. So, yeah, very, it sounds like a very clear, you know, positive experience from dipping their toe in the Euro League.
2: Yeah, Lions played Euro Cup, which is one competition down on EuroLeague.
3: Oh, that's right. It was Euro Cup.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. But it's such a high-level competition still. Um, Borg, who Lions actually beat in the historic Crystal Palace, and it was incredible. Um, Borg went on to win the competition, and Borg made it through. Did they make it through to the quarterfinals of EuroLeague the year before? Did they make it out of their group?
1: They did make it out of the group, yes.
2: Okay. I, don't, I can't remember how far they got. No, I can't remember. Anyway, that's the level of competition we're talking about. Also, fun fact, Joly Warner won EuroCup with Bourge back in the day. It was really a perfect situation.
3: And don't say, you know, I know that she's announced her retirement, a very understated uh, retirement announcement, it sounds like, but never say never because, you know, our goat also had retired once upon a time, but she's back.
1: Back. And and uh, Azania Stewart as well. She'd sort of semi-retired, hasn't she? Came back, played for for GB no, and, and she, the Lions again. She,
2: yeah, she hadn't semi-retired. She had, she had retired. T- she was out of the game. She was working as a. She did team manager role with GB, and then the back end of the season before last, she comes back at her retirement, like you say, playing for Leicester, and now has uh, made her made a way to London.
1: So if in a few yeah. years Joe wants to be like, you know what, I fancy playing for the Manchester Mystics. Let's do
2: it <laughs> I can not I c I can't I can't see Joe coming back. I can't I think that when she's she done. says she's done, I think she says she's done. Yeah. As much as we you know, I want to see her back next year. Are you kidding me? But then again, what a way to go. What a way to end a career. Unbeaten oh, yeah. in the league. Yeah. Win all how many championships they win in the end? Three, four? At four. four. Four four championships in the end. She was there. <laughs> Fifty forty nine. Yeah, you
3: you can't top that. You yeah, they say you got to go out on top, and you can't really top that. There's no topping that.
1: She was the WBBL <coughs> Player of the Year.
2: You know, Lions Player of the Year, Lions Moment of the Year.
1: Oh,
3: that's awesome that
2: fan vote. I don't know if you guys harsh.
1: have seen it because I mean, we we reposted it a lot. There was a moment in the uh, the cup final in Birmingham in January when London were playing Newcastle, and this just epitomises Joe's game. She dives on the floor for a loose ball, manages to get it, flings it over the back of her head to a cut in Holly Winterburn to the basket who scores a layup. And it was just like the the play itself was just incredible. <laughs> it was just Joe all
2: over. So I was stood next to Joe and Holly when Joe got given that award. And um, Holly, I think in my memory, this is how it went. It's like Holly was like, what was that for? It's like, oh, you remember that play where I was on the floor, I chucked it to you, and then, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super Just couch. that one, just that one. Just like, oh, yeah.
0: I'll tell Is you what, this seems to be an awful <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there seems to be an awful lot of this, you know, over the head, going on it was that one just you know last week in the wnba
1: yeah yeah (laughs) she's done that before apparently she's practices that one um but yeah i think i mean you've got to know where your teammates are aren't you you've got to get you've got to get it right you've got to be able to do that right
0: yeah Yeah, and and, and it's not just
3: the execution of the path it's the timing that comes around the execution of that path that makes those plays so good because it's kind of like you obviously the precision but it's the timing of the cut otherwise you um At risk of looking very foolish.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because the the, (laughs) Joe's one as well. Like I don't even think she's looking. She's not. She's not looking towards the basket. And she just. I mean, she's just got to (laughs) know. And her teammates have got to know that she's going to be on the floor after every ball. So to be aware for something coming towards them.
2: Where that comes from, other than Joe and Holly being both exceptionally skilled at what they do, is before every game, who's out there, who's like the first people on the floor getting shots up, and who's getting shots up longest. It's Joe. It's Holly. Yeah, Those two, this, you know, I don't want to speak out of school or anything, but this has been such a fantastic learning year for Holly Winterburn. Yeah, Because she's got to spend a year working with the absolute pros, pro one of our best ever players. And it looks like from the outside looking in Holly's taken on so much of what Joe's been given and it's only going to be, amazing for Holly's career we are under no illusion she is not going to be a London Lion for forever if she's a London Lion after this season coming so next year that would be I don't know the contract situation but I would imagine that it's going to be coming due end of next year so she's got a
1: two-year deal so she's got two seasons we've got two
2: seasons she doesn't end up in high high level Europe then
0: she's ended up in high level Europe let's just let's just say that now well we've been seeing that happen with the WNBL as well. We've got an awful lot of players who've decamped for Europe. Which on the on the upside it means that there's more slots open for, for players to move up into the WNBL, but it's a lot of talent that, that we lose.
1: And I think that's the thing, isn't it? You need the balance. So you obviously want players to like go on and become the best they can do and like reach the top of, of their career. And if that means, you know, going to Europe and the higher leagues in Europe, that's fantastic. But you like you say, you want to be able to Level up the domestic leagues as well to bring that talent. You know, you don't you don't want the talent dearth do you, when players go. So it's important to keep those pathways coming through. And I think um, so. I think our academies in the GB under 16s, GB under 18s as well, are doing a really good job at the moment. Obviously, there's a gap, but they're trying to to get the the players and the talent through younger and hold on to it and push through so that when someone leaves, it can be replaced. In theory, with uh, you know that talent coming through,
2: it's going to be a really interesting test on that theory, that idea this season with the Seven Oaks Suns, who last year, what did they do? They went twenty-one and three, so they lost two games to London, and who was the other loss? Was it, it Sheffield?
1: No, it was a wild one to Nottingham. It was a completely like mm-hmm. out of the blue, crazy one that was.
2: But what did the Seven Oaks Suns look like this year? Not sure anybody really knows. And um, last year was a little bit of a transition year, as well, like kind of a transition year. Is that fair to say, Castro? do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because I guess really, Seven Oaks were the team, weren't they, to beat yeah. the last few years? They had an unbeaten championship season. Um, was it 2016 17? Yeah, 2016 17. Yeah. They won the trophy in the playoffs. Um, so they did lose in the cup. Um, but they were the team to beat. And then London have come in and kind of one up them a little bit to do that. But we talk about Joe Leadham retiring, but also at the end of the season, Kat Carr, Seven Oaks, and Janice Monacana announced their retirements yes. as well for Seven Oaks. So the Seven Oaks team is gonna look, as Darren says, very different. And it's gonna be really interesting to see how they, they make that transition.
2: But I mean Len Bush, who who head coach and runs that programme, he's got a good eye for talent. <clears> he he knows he knows a good basketball player when he sees one. And I'm sure he'll be able to recruit. You know, they're they're now even more entrenched with the Surrey Sports Park, so they're playing in a you know Guildford, a nice arena, PBL arena. So hopefully, their recruitment is going really strong. Cause that's and they bring through a fan and of kids as well.
1: That's something that I think they've done well, haven't they? This in so that there's been an announcement that the Surrey team and Seven Oaks will kind of like work together. Is it a double header on game days, like we've been saying, or or they're they're linked almost?
2: Yeah. I think I think I saw something like that, yeah.
1: So they they're obviously trying to to boost the women's profile as well, which is is you know something that we've been saying that some teams, if they've got that, it's going to be kind good for them if they can tap into that Surrey uh, BBL base.
2: Yeah, and also to blend into the men's side of things, just briefly, um, it's a huge year for Surrey. It's such an important year for Surrey after a couple of a couple of really down seasons. They've got new coaching, new players in. And if, if the men's side can really get rolling, and they have a fantastic fan support, and if some of that can lead into the women's side or the Seven Oaks women, what it could be really, really positive.
3: And what about, uh, so obviously, you know, the last season for the WBBL was so successful, London Lions setting that tone of being literally unstoppable. But you've also had the com games in between, and England did exceptionally well in the three-by-three. So have you seen any positive impact given the last, you know, WBBL, BBL Leagues, the success of the Comm Games? Have Has that kind of positive impact been, you know, overflowing now as you prepare for the next WBBL season?
1: So I think the 3x3 has done a fantastic job of getting people interested in basketball, in basketball itself, and also in the domestic league as well. Yeah, I've had people come up to me that I know that I work with, that I speak to, and they're like, I was watching this basketball on TV. It was so fast. It was so exciting. And there was one person in particular who was like, who was that smaller lady that was so fast? Shanice Beckford-Norton. I was like, you want to watch Shanice Beckford-Norton every week? Watch the WBBL. And it really gave exposure, I think, to a lot of the, the talent that we have. On the team as well, Chantelle Handy, another Olympic legend, a GB legend. She's going to be playing in Caledonia this year in the WBBL. Hannah Jump who is currently at Stanford at the moment. She was the first British woman to win a NCAA title. And it really, that kind of exposure, and also it's been on the BBC and there's been a lot of of talk about it as well. I think 3X3 in itself gets people interested because it's very you know quick and exciting. But being able to say to people, if you like that, you can watch these players. You can watch them every week in the WBBL, in the BBL for the guys as well. And the field, I know we've been waiting for this for years, decades, but it almost feels like this is a turning point. And I hope the leagues really capitalise on that. Like for me, Shanice Beckford-Norton, her face should be everywhere. You know, you walk around London, you should see her face on a billboard. Come and watch watch this team. For me, it feels like a turning point. And the, the crowds in the venue, I mean, each game was sold out. The atmosphere was amazing. And I think it's really tapped into something.
2: I think it's really positive as well, um, to piggyback off what you've said, Kaz, to see WBBL talent playing in this huh? in this competition. Like it could have been doable for Team England to go and pick a bunch of players who play in Europe or, or play wherever. But instead, you know, we saw WBBL talent. And for the men's side, we even saw National League yeah. National League talent. He should be playing in BBL, but it works for him better to work in the National League, then fine. But we have domestic talent playing, and that's that's so exciting as well.
1: And we had the, the for the Scotland team as well. So not just England, we had Scotland represented by Kennedy Leonard in London. Um, we had Leicester, Caledonia, Essex uh, players as well. It's been fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think 3x3 has actually done a lot to raise the profile of basketball, not just with com games, but like across the board around the world, there's a lot of hype, a lot of excitement, it's bringing a lot of more eyeballs to the game. What's the sort of uptake outside of those sorts of major competitions of the game in the UK?
2: Three on three is very, very popular at the moment. It seems like every week my Instagram and Twitter is just full of people going to ball out, going to, um, oh, what is Martin's G- tournament called? GG? GG, Yeah,
1: that's, I think that's this weekend, actually.
2: Is it? Ooh comes around quicker every year uh but yeah martin diane's uh gg three on three tournament is awesome every year red bull tours so yeah there's loads of uptake there's loads of teams playing so yeah it's becoming very very popular and we're seeing a lot of the same faces week in week out and the number of the um i think i think some of the team england will be playing as well in the three on three this weekend and have been yeah throughout the off season.
1: Yeah. And I think what you see as well is you see a lot more. And obviously it's because uh, we have a a lot of people making content, a lot of content creators, but you're seeing clips, you're seeing highlights that are, you know, getting a lot, a lot of views. And I guess for the, for the demographic, maybe you kind of aim at Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, I'm too old. Um, But that kind of audience, when you're able to get like a clip like that, it's uh, it gets the interest, it gets the eyes on it. And that's what you want.
3: Don't feel bad about being too old for TikTok because I keep messaging my 13 and 15 year old niece and nephew saying, "Hey, can you help me with this TikTok? How do I do this? How do I do this part? Where do I put the text?" Um, and they don't help me. I have to go on YouTube.
2: <laughs> I I made the decision that TikTok is something that I can't be I can't be messing with, not at my old age.
3: It is a little oh. bit more embarrassing if you want to do one in public and you turn up somewhere. Like tomorrow, if I go to scrimmage, I have an idea for a TikTok, but I feel embarrassed also <laughs> in my age, where I'm like, there are people will be like, "What are you doing, mate?" And I'll be like, "Making a TikTok." Like I don't, I don't <laughs> feel like it's something I should be saying out loud. Just, <laughs>
2: just think what what would Azura Stevens do? <laughs> you know, I don't that's...
3: know. <laughs> who did
1: you say ezra Stevens?
2: yeah the chicago sky player right have i got that wrong have oh no, yeah, you, you, your you're,
1: you're right you're right yeah so oh. I, think, as, I think she's discovered social media this season she's been making yeah. when they're stuck in the airport when they're stuck in delays she's just making little little clips and putting them out
2: there and during the bubble as well
1: oh yes of course yeah
2: yeah the uh chicago sky doing great work on social medias
1: Oh
3: yeah, because the uh, the Dallas team, their social media uh, stuff is actually pretty fun as well. Yeah. you get them walking off the court during a training, going back into like the um, the tunnel, and it's like, hey, who's the worst texter in the team? And it's like, does a straw does a straw have one hole or two? I like that one.
1: Yeah, Alicia Gray always has the best answers.
3: (laughs) Yes, one of our loyal listeners always sends them to me on Instagram, so it gives me a good laugh.
2: There are a couple of you know, so Kaz and I have had a bit of experience with the WNBA media's, and the Wings have always been a real stand-up organization in terms of you know dealing with them with their media team. So, just want to throw that out there. Yeah, they're they're keeping up. They're keeping up on both sides.
0: Well, you know. It's interesting that that you say that because we've reached out to a couple of teams and one of them particularly makes lots of noise about nobody pays attention to us. It's like, yeah, but we've reached out to you like a yeah. few times and we're getting crickets back. So you know what? It's on you, folks. Yeah, we'll go talk to someone else. Sorry.
2: Yeah. So. I saw the opportunity during the bubble. That's how Kaz and yeah. I have become, um, you know, people who own matching pajamas. Um, <laughs> um, we we need to sort out a photo. But yeah, you know, we saw the opportunity of like, oh, WNBA, it's in a bubble. Everything's going to be remote. What's stopping us over here? I'm not working right now or whatever, however the situation was. And um, some teams were amazing. And, you know, particularly Dallas Wings, their media guy at the time who is he's no longer with them, he's he's gone off and done his own thing. He was super useful. He's like, Do you have this? No, I don't. How do I get that? Oh, go and do XYZ. And he really took me through the steps. So it's it's out there. If teams want to go that it's not even an extra mile, it's just like it probably took him like two minutes to be like, hey, You just need to do this, you idiot, go and sort it. Yeah. But it, it felt really, really positive. And there's a number of teams as well. I I will name names, I don't care. Well, that's uh, Vegas Aces, their media guy. He's fantastic, giggy, um, John. He He's great. He's really, really fantastic. And it's so nice working with good, easy, easy to yeah. communicate with media. Like, you know this, but if teams make it easy for you in our role as, as media or however, God, it makes you feel just a little bit warmer towards them, does it not? Like, Absolutely. And that's you know that's that's a lot of the business that we we're all in. it's just you know people dealing with people. And if you make it easy, ah you know it's, things are better and you but you can't be complaining, oh nobody pays attention to what a league well, yeah, we do, and we see the dumb things you're doing, yeah, and we see how you're blocking people out and I'm gonna say it I'm gonna be a bit negative. I'm not very high in the WNBA right now I am frustrated as with the WNBA right now. It's just oh uh, How come? Why? It needs to go to the FIBA window. That's the big one for me. Yeah, I think it's time that it, it starts treating itself like a, a real proper big time league because right now it feels like the biggest summer league on earth and it's doing such a disservice to the players and to the fans. For me, and I could be completely wrong, I would like to see it. It needs more teams because the talent it's got is unbelievable. And it needs to move at least more in line with the FIBA window. Because these athletes deserve a summer or Mm. a winter. They deserve a break. And if we start to move that way, we're not going to have the situation where players are getting suspended or their contract suspended. Which is, I don't like that terminology, but it's technical terminology. It's fine getting their things suspended because they're going to be playing in Europe for another two weeks. Like we saw what happened with uh, Gabby Williams last season, for example. We're not going to get the situation where it's the business end of the season, but players are choosing to go and play in some tournament in Turkey in the middle of a playoff battle. It limits and mitigates those things. The other side of things is how would that impact on European and obviously the Australian league?
0: (sighs) I don't know. I don't know, but I mean if you look at what's happened across the WNBA this season, the number of people that were signed in the draft that got cut on the way through oh, yeah. was just astounding. And like, you look at it and you think to yourself, well, hang on a minute, you got first round draft picks getting cut. Yeah. And basically it almost feels like you've picked them up for a few weeks, you've tried to pick up the best players you can for a few weeks to cover while somebody's playing in Europe or somewhere else. And then when they come back, it's like, thanks a lot. But obviously, there's just not enough slots for the number of players that are coming out of college yeah. that are coming in from overseas as well to try out for the WNBA. You know, I was having a conversation with someone, you know, not that long ago, and they were saying, you know what, just forget about the WNBA. Just, you know, really look to Europe because Europe's got a really amazing level of competition. And it means that you're going to get players coming back for national representation who've been playing at that high level, and it's not like they're, you know, they're going to the WNBA and it's like, am I going to have a job next week? Yeah.
3: And the, uh, the Euro League as well, I feel like they've done a really good job of having the Women's League just stand on their own two feet in terms of representation and standing alone from the men's comp, whereas the WNBA... Um, I've noticed, especially in the last 12 months, still have that shadow over them. But as the NBA's little sister, you know, the NBA yeah. still funds us. Um, it's just like a side hustle of the NBA, and the WNBA is there, and they've got great players. But they're always going to be second best to the NBA. And the thing that really annoyed me this year was that the WNBA had their All Star weekend. the same time as the NBA Summer League comp. And I'm like, are you serious? The NBA Summer League and the big party was over there. It was a spectacle. Look, not saying that that was a bad thing. It looked amazing. Um, But there was so much more content and coverage of this Summer League, which is, you know, just a hangout. Like one of my friends went there and he said it was just like a, a great party with basketball. It was more a party first and then basketball happened to be there. But that overshadowed all of the WNBA All-Star weekend coverage. So it was like that kind of annoyed me a lot.
1: So I think the All-Star game, especially this season as well, it just felt like an afterthought. And you look at the things from the fans in the US itself saying, I didn't know this particular event was on. I didn't know I could go to this (laughs) that was being hosted at All-Star weekend. They couldn't even have fans in at the three-point contest and the skills contest which is madness. People want to watch it. They had to watch it on a screen outside the venue. And I know people in the US said, we were okay here. I was watching on League Pass. But I think when you you can't watch on League Pass in the States, it was Black Town or there was was tennis on. One of the tennis matches competition had overrun. So the channel, the skills contest was supposed to be on, was moved to like, I don't know, ESPN 23 or something. So people couldn't see it. And it's like... Surely, and that's an audience that you've got a captive audience in itself. How are you ever going to expand and reach people that might just come across this if you're not advertising it? You're not making the games accessible. You're not putting things on like merch. Like you can't get players' merchandise. You know, how long did it take to get Kalia Copper's jersey, finals MVP last year? People couldn't buy it. People want to buy it and they want to support the league. And it's almost like sometimes it shoots itself in the foot. Sometimes it's not helping those that want to support it and reaching out to grab this new audience that could be there.
3: It makes so much more sense as well because us outside the U.S. put the WNBA as, you know, like the pinnacle and how much we value it and how much we are interested in it. But everyone inside the U.S., you see so many hateful comments online about how my high school basketball team could beat the Seattle Storm. and, And it sounds like, you know, if they're not even going to give it the respect of proper TV coverage or merchandising, then, like you said, Kaz, shoot yourself in the foot, then you're not going to get any respect back.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, the comments are so pathetic. I find it amazing as well how you don't get that in Europe. You look at a post, I don't know about the EuroLeague, you don't get those kind of comments. It's a US problem, it seems to be. Mm. I mean, I'm sure there is some of that elsewhere, but it's, you You know, nine out of 10 comments are negative as opposed to something on the EuroLeague where it's going to be nine out of 10 are positive. Um, mm. It's just, it's, it's weird to me. Yeah. Mm. I'm not interested yeah. in in golf. I don't like find posts about golf and be like, "Oh, there's no defense." Ooh, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird.
3: <laughs> all yeah, the bros, all the bros, coming out in their hate in the comments for
1: the WNBA,
0: oh, like yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I'm going to say this too. A few weeks ago, I was at my daughter's game, and the coach of the opposing team was one of those basketball bros. You know, and he's like, oh, you know, they'd won. After the game, he's like, he's talking to a couple of his mates and he's saying, oh, yeah, their best player didn't show up, but I I, I had a mark we were going to absolutely take her out. And I'm like, dude, you're talking about under 14. <laughs> you know, seriously, what is wrong with you? You know, I was just like, Why? You know, why are you even coaching why are you coaching girls?
1: Yeah, yeah, if right. that's, yeah.
0: If that's your attitude, go somewhere else. and you know that that attitude carries over to the criticism of the WNBA, the WNBL, because there is criticism of it of the WNBL here. I'm sure it is for the WBBL as well. And it's like, what's going on? What's got you to the point where you're coaching a team and you're carrying on like that, you know?
2: Yeah, that that one I really don't understand. <laughs> like, having having coached youth sports, uh, girls and boys, or men and women, um, yeah, don't get that mindset at all. Yeah, it's just bizarre. So, England rather upsettingly had a had a great summer of sport. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm Welsh. Just if you're not aware, um, winning the women's Euros for me for for the sport of football. I am a football fan or a soccer fan, however you say. But it's the best possible outcome it was the only yep. outcome that was going to be positive was England win, unfortunately. Sadly. And, um, and we've seen this sort of like geek behavior from these losers on the internet being like, ah, oh, the, the kitchen. Man. And it's just like, dude, like if you don't enjoy it, like that's just go away. Like you're, you're not required here. That's
0: just leave fine.
2: Yeah. Nobody cares.
0: Yeah. I mean, geek. so here's the thing. I saw the, the English team, the Way they were celebrating at the press conference.
2: Ah, oh, oopsie on the table. That was, <laughs> what I tell you,
0: that was, that was awesome. Teams yeah. should do stuff like that way more often. But here's my big question okay, why is that so well received in Europe? Why do they kind of look at it and go, yeah, this is good? And we don't see that occurring other places. What's because that's a real impediment to women's basketball in the U.S., here in Australia, in the U.K., to be having things like that happening.
1: It's interesting. I think the U.S., I, I think some of it, maybe the majority of it, look at the makeup of the WNBA. It's an 80% black league. Yeah. And you don't know the figures, but there's there's a significant amount of gay players or uh, non-binary players in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes into it. I think there's still a lot of hate even towards black women, towards gay women, towards strong black gay women. Um, And I think it's not dealt with. And I think people are using that as a a reason to hate on it as well. Like when you look at the makeup of other leagues that do get, um, you know, a lot of bad comments and things, it's not as overt as it is with the WNBA. And that league is overtly black.
3: And it's also the feeling of being threatened that, you know, uh, sport is always long associated as being a a men's thing and what men are good at. And now, you know, women are coming to the forefront saying, hey, we are actually also very good at sport. And it's just that threatening kind of feeling. But at the same time, you know, a lot of these things for the, you know, for the geeks and those basketball bros out there, it's not for you. Like when the female, you know, Uh, English team win that European League win that championship it's not for you geeky bros everything doesn't need to be for you there are a whole bunch of other people out there who are interested and invested in this and that are enjoying it and just because you don't enjoy it like too bad sorry but not everything needs to be catered for you so if you don't like it just don't watch it because there are other people that are enjoying it and that it's meaningful for them and that's who it's for
1: and part of the problem is it always has been for them. That's the mm. demographic it always has been for. So now, mm. when it's there's something new, it's like mm, I don't, I don't think I like this. I don't think I like mm. that. You know, there's more out there. That's the way we've always mm. we've always been. It's always been sort of male centric, hasn't it? And you look at the the age of the, league. the WNBA is only in its twenty fifth year. Look at English football, you know, look how massive that was at the start of the 1920s. Like, football was banned in this country for women until was it was yep. in the 70s. It was banned. Yes. You couldn't... Yeah. It's madness. So they've lost so much time that they're trying to make it up. You know, the, the leagues are very much in their infancy and they're behind where the men's league are now, but are they behind where the men's leagues were at that point in their history? You know, 25 years in the NBA. What was that, the 70s?
2: When,
0: well, yeah, yeah, When when... I was going to say, twenty five years in the NBA. You're talking in the seventies, and it was you know, on his knees. That they, yeah. they were struggling to get people in the door. F-
1: finals on tape delay. Finals, you know, not even sure. Yeah,
0: finals on tape delay. Yeah. Hey, Wilt Chamberlain's hundred plus point game. There is no film. <laughs> no, it no doesn't film. exist. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, the NBA literally has a fifty year head start. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, against the WNBA, fifty years, like. Uh, and you're expecting us to be, you know, yeah. what you want immediately without the yeah. investment and the longevity and the experience. Come on, guys. Like,
0: Yeah. But one of the other things. Chill out, is, bro. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> but seriously, for me, one of the things that annoys me is, okay, the NBA, I don't see them making, you know, stepping in and saying, you know what, you clowns, we don't want to hear this. Right? I'm mm-hmm. not, I, we don't see that because there's, there's a fear that they're going to annoy their fans. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to ask the question. Do you think they're really fans if they carry mm. on like that?
1: Exactly. And you look, But you look at who goes to the games. Chris Paul goes to the games. Devin Booker goes to the games. Kobe yeah. was a massive proponent of women's basketball. You look at yep. um, Bradley Beal in Washington. The players oh. and the people that know basketball go to the games and they love it and they like yeah. it because they know basketball. So these fans that are saying, oh, you want basketball, lower the rim. Are you a basketball fan? Or are you a fan of dunking? Right. Let's
2: well, yeah. 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 I mean, the Globetrotters are right there. Yeah. They're right yeah. there. <laughs> and, that's, yeah. and, and that's okay. That's fine. Like, if that's what you like, that's fine. It's, it, you know, these these morons online, it's like, are you a fan of basketball? Or are you a fan of men's basketball? Mm-hmm. And if you're a yeah. fan of men's basketball, just say. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Like, all right, cool, cool. I don't need to interrupt with you. That's fine. Or are you, you're you a fan of men's football or soccer or AFL, potentially. All right, cool. Great. So you don't have the women's side. All right. So you're not actually a fan of the sport. You're a fan of men playing the sport. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just so we're clear. Let's just be claro with it and then let's
0: move on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah.
1: What I find ridiculous is you watch the Golden State Warriors. Who, or Who's one of the, the, the most popular players in the NBA? It's Steph Curry, isn't it? How often yep. does Steph Curry dunk? You know? Mm. Yeah. Like you watch a Warriors game, you watch a, I don't know a, a Chicago Sky game. You probably you know the the flow, the ball movement, is similar. It's it's not you know obviously it's, there's differences, isn't there? But you're not watching Steph Curry to watch him dunk.
3: Mm. Oh. And then it's like oh, but are they making threes like Steph Curry? No, because no one else in the world will make <laughs> in threes, the, threes in like in the Steph history Curry
2: of the game
3: <laughs> ever. Well,
0: yeah. But to me, and I use this story, and I'm, I'm sure Jacinta's sick of hearing this from me, um, <laughs> uh, Jesse Ventura, the wrestler. Yeah. Okay. Who has in testosterone-driven movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, has been interviewed to say, I prefer watching women's basketball to men's basketball. The reason I like it, it is closer to the original game, played below the rim. He gets to as many Minnesota Lynx games as he possibly can because he prefers it to watching men's basketball, NBA specifically, because it's a purer form of the game. And that's half of it. You know, I don't know. Maybe they're expecting that, that, well, they think that basketball is NBA, but it's not. You know, that is a completely different game. And, in fact, you see in international competition, NBA players struggle for the first few rounds of their international games because they've got to get used to FIBA rules, which are very different mm. to you know, like in the NBA, you get if it's a star player, you get fouled because you're within a metre and a half of them. Right. <laughs> in FIBA, you, it's a dead body lying on the floor and they're like, Yeah, okay, keep going. There's no foul here. Let's let's keep going.
1: Yeah, Luka Doncic mentioned this season. That he he was asked if it was easier to score in the NBA or Euroleague, and he said, Yeah, it's easier to score in the NBA.
3: Yeah. yeah and Josh Josh giddy has said as well you know he found so much uh, immediate success in the NBA because he's like it's a totally different game there's so much more space it's, you know the defense isn't as up in your face as he was used to playing down here and uh, the times you know he he did some stuff for the boomers but um I mean I will also never get sick of that story Paul so I love it <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh yeah think NBA and the rest of the basketball world is literally so different because they literally have a different set of rules. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really glad you brought that example up, Paul, because, yeah, we saw Luca, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up, Kaz, perfect marriage of conversations. Luca at the Olympics was carrying on like a spoiled child. I unfollowed him on everything after the Olympics, the way he was carrying on, because he was just so used to the – you know, being so protected in the NBA. And it's like, come back and play the real rules, Luca. See how you like it.
2: That's really, I find that really quite strange because I remember the first time I saw him play was, it, it was the Eurobasket 2017. And oh my God. And then watching him for another, what, two years in Euroleague just be the best player you've ever seen. So that's really surprising. That's really, ah, you know. I think you get used oh, to it, don't you? You
1: get used to yeah, what you are around.
3: Yeah, I guess so. He would just carry on and on and on. <laughs> oh, it was painful. And as soon as he on the court, he's like, "Oh, someone's too close. Standing too close to me at the jump. ball. Yeah, yeah. His shoelaces are touching my shoelaces, or something stupid."
0: <laughs> now, listen. Since since we're getting into the the international side of things, we got a women's World Cup coming up. So. You know, I mean, obviously, you guys have got some fave games. We know, Kaz, you're coming down to yeah. to watch some games. What do you What do you see? What do you think?
1: We've got the uh, the training camp roster for the US out at the moment which is something I'm keeping a close eye on as well because I think we've got a new look US team haven't we we've got some big names that aren't there because of you know retirement so Sue Bird mentioned last year at the Olympics you know she wouldn't be there she's not on the roster no Tarassi no Sylvia Fowles no Tina Charles no Candace Parker and Nekarugui of obvious reasons though so it's it's looking like a, a very interesting team, and I think while most people will have you know the USA obviously feel that an incredibly strong team every tournament, I you know the gap is closing internationally, you know the the gap isn't as as much as it used to be, and I think we're going to see some. Some very close games. When you look at the the European talent, I'm super excited to see France and Australia. So two of my U.S. France and Australia. I think the the teams I'm most excited to see, especially Australia with Lauren Jackson coming back. That's that's going to be exciting.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I think this this U.S. team, particularly because they haven't played together. You know, they haven't got that length of time playing together. This is one of those. Uh, World Cups where there's a chance that they could be beaten.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look inside, obviously they've got you know amazing players, great height and things. They only have two sort of true centers listed on the roster. They've got Steph dolson and Brianna Jones, uh, with with Fowles, Griner, uh, and Charles out. And that obviously they have got players that can play the five, but I think that might be interesting in some games, particularly when they come up against teams that have true centers. I think that's going to be something to look for.
3: That's a really good point, actually, because now we know the Opals roster and Mm -hmm. we are a lot taller than what we Mm -hmm. were in Tokyo and perhaps one of the taller teams that we've had in a while. I wonder if, you know, Sandy Brondello and the likes had some intel into Team USA and think, actually, we're going to pick a little, you know, go a little bit taller for that reason. Maybe I'm just speculating.
1: No, that's a good point. And if you think it, you know, Sandy Brondello's, going to be seeing the players isn't she week in week out she's going to know the team usa roster because she's coaching against them in the WNBA. in fact she's you know she's got players on the team steph Dawson's on her team in yeah. new york so i think that's that's going to be really interesting
2: my only question is is eriko gumbawala going to make it to the world cup I mean, is that what we're going to see she
1: had some crazy surgery that i'd never even heard of the other, what was the term they used it was it's like she had some sort of surgically repaired muscle or something it was it's It was a a bizarre press release. Let me find what it's got. It was the most bizarre press release that they put out, like everyone was supposed to go, oh, I know what that means. And it was like the most (laughs) obscure. (laughs) Oh, I
3: just did a quick look. uh, Iliac crest core muscle avulsion repair.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: Can we get that once more in English?
3: (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) Iliac crest, which is, you know, uh, In your pelvis, your pelvis is broken up into three bits, uh, one of them being the ilium, and then the ridge over the top is I'm pretty sure the crest. Um, I just have to double-check what avulsion is, so you're really digging into my anatomy (laughs) um, knowledge here. But iliac crest core muscle avulsion repair, uh, which, yeah, that sounds like a very unique injury. How someone does that, I don't know. Uh, an, an avulsion is an injury in which a body structure is torn off by either trauma or surgery. So it Ooh. sounds like that one of her muscles around her pelvis, uh, particularly around that crest, so probably attaching her abs to her pelvis has torn and it sounds like she's had. Um, how someone does that, I don't know. Uh, again, not a, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but based on... <laughs> The yes. anatomy that I have successfully you know, passed I'm, at uni, that's
0: what I'm at I'm looking at all the expressions <laughs> on our faces, Eww. and I'm glad this one's not going out as a video, I've got to tell you. <laughs> oh, my word.
1: So she, she's been ruled out of Dallas' first-round playoff series, which is going on at the moment, Ooh. which shocked
2: shocking Yeah, her. I'd say, yeah. <laughs> <Good> yeah. <Lord.
0: laughs>
1: So I can't see. I don't know. Is that a six-week recovery kind of thing? Well, even, even
0: if it isn't, I mean, do you want to risk it at I, that sort of top-level competition in the World Cup?
1: I want to say no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to risk that. But yeah. I'm not picking the same. <laughs> 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 I mean, she's young. She's she's young. She's a fantastic Ooh. player. She's going to have a lot of a lot more chances. I'd you know if I were her, just chill out, have a summer and chill out. Well, have another, a, another have a break and chill
2: out. Another one is Bettina Zulany going to the World Cup.
1: So she's just come back from her injury but um, oh. she's been sidelined like practically most of the season and she's amazing. She's just come back yes. to New York Beach Chicago. Um, put her in there put her in there because uh, she's, she's huge. She's a game changer.
2: And she, she is an absolute Focus Hoops favourite of ours, Betnarjelaini. What a player.
1: So I, Be- I like that the Aces are so heavily represented there as well. You've got Kelsey Plum, uh, Jackie Young, Asia Wilson. I've forgotten someone. I think they've got four. Oh, Chelsea Gray, obviously. And I think when you, you know, depending who gets picked for the final roster, so you are going to see T, uh, the team with uh, players that do play together in their teams in yeah. the WNBA as well, which I just do think will help. But as, you know, to your point earlier, when's training camp? Like when's when are they going to train together?
2: They're, they're going to well, have yeah, like... The, mm. uh, the 6th to the 12th of September.
1: So, so that excludes players in the playoffs? though.
0: Yeah, and that's so, something we were talking about then here. Uh, it was going back and forth on Twitter. Is like, if it goes all the way, some people don't finish playing until two days before the World Cup tips off. So it's, it's sort of like, okay, we win, we party, we spend a day on a plane. Okay, we're ready to play.
1: That's it's crazy, <laughs> and you've got to look at the teams that are, mo- you know, I guess more likely to be in the finals. I, you know, I'd be leaning to a Seattle Vegas. Chicago, La-
2: Las, Las Vegas. Las
1: Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. but you, you look and you look at, but you look at the makeup uh, of the players on those teams, and also in Seattle, you know, Steph Talbot, yeah. Ezimagbu, they're going to be with, they're either going to be without players, or the national team is going to be without players at, at some yeah. point because it's just not going to be practical, mm-hmm. I think. But mm-hmm. I, is it he and Steph have said they'll miss the first group game if they if they are if Seattle are in the final. I
3: think. Oh, and that's against France, isn't it? Our first group game yes. is against yep. France. Yes, yes, so, yeah. Yeah. look, I'm all for you getting a WNBA championships, but uh, I really need you back home to <laughs> beat France, Bill.
1: <girl. laughs> and then Gabby, yeah. Gabby Williams as well. see she would be playing for France. She'd also be in Seattle. So, oh. uh, and if it's Chicago, yeah. you know, Johannes is in Chicago with uh, Ru- and Rupert's in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Ileana Rupert, You know, you've got a. Uh, you're it's not going to be really a world
3: cup then if you're missing just, players, you know what I mean? It just
2: makes me so mad. Just I'm just I'm frustrated. Mm. You can see on the camera, and just sat here. A bundle of frustration. I refer you to my earlier point of it's the biggest summer league on earth. How on earth how on earth are we in a situation where a domestic competition ends a day, two days before the World Cup. The World Cup. It's not In like they didn't know it was Fever. coming. No, we don't have it's it's not like a Qatar situation where they're mucking about when it's gonna kick off, right? We we know. And it's more oh WNBA annoying me. Disrespectful.
1: It's, it's I mean
2: it's that well, too strong a word. It's yeah, no, I think it's, it's, disrespe- all, I feel it's mm. disrespectful to the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, but it's on mm. top of that, it's you know, it's gotta be because the NBA needs clear air for TV and whatever uh-huh. else, and then there's you know, this and that, and so therefore this is the window that they have to play, right, before you start getting into football then, season picking up yeah. and so I'd say an awful lot of what's happening in the states is driven more by broadcast and, and mm-hmm. broadcast than anything else. Then you got um, then
2: you got to have a truncated t- league season. Like you got to go for your your bubble. What twenty two games? Yeah, maybe let's get that. Let's have it compact. Let's have it. I don't know.
1: You can't. Add, just, you can't add back to vaccine when they're flying. Commercial and getting stuck in an airport and having to sleep in an airport overnight. No. So you've got to, really- you can't start earlier because of Europe. You that's got no, to be. It's,
0: it's a simple solution. Just cut back the NBA season.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean,
2: you said something earlier about how different the game is and how you know defenses uh, give players more space until the playoffs. And the only for me, the only NBA basketball worth watching is playoff basketball.
1: Oh, regular Oh, and, oh, yeah. and 100%. maybe
2: and maybe Christmas, just because yeah. it's you know. They they wear nice uni, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: um, because the NBA for me is basketball, of course, but it isn't it isn't the best basketball. The best basketball is Euroleague men and women, yeah. Um, and I don't think it helps that they play eighty two game seasons. Mm. I understand that this is America and we got you know baseball goes one hundred sixty two, hockey goes eighty two, but. Cut it back, and maybe you will see actually better basketball. And there is a, there is a call for that, at least to bring it into the the low seventies, at uh, high sixties.
0: Yeah, because it also reduces the it reduces the amount of wear and tear on those star yeah. players, who, hmm. you know, are actually aren't on the floor for a period of time. And then also it helps the WNBA because they've got a bit more room to move the schedule around, um, hmm. and not be clashing. You know, with like, I think the preseason for the NFL started this oh, week. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Hmm, and right. it's been doing numbers as well because NFL is a beast that I don't think any of us truly appreciate <laughs> what that Monstrous. does on a broadcast level. Like, yeah. preseason games, like nothing, preseason games are absolutely tanking other TV shows. Like, yeah. Hammering them.
0: Yeah, so you know that gives the WNBA an opportunity to have some clear air for the finals and not be competing against, you know, the NFL or, and, and I think we, you know we're getting to the tail end of baseball.
2: Yeah, we're still, Yeah, we've we've got about an, a month and a half.
0: Yeah, but it's getting down to the business end of the baseball season. Yeah, yeah. Right, NFL starting to round up, so it's like, you know, they're getting sandwiched, and I mm-hmm. and I understand, you know, you need the broadcast. But there's got to be something that can be done to shift it around because, look, let's be honest, if they scheduled it right so that the WNBA, even if they played across the NBA final series, but on different days, different periods or something like that, you know, because, look, based off social media, the people that are going to watch the NBA aren't going to watch the
3: WNBA. Mm,
0: 100%. So you're not going to have audience loss on either side you just got to make sure that you got broadcast partners that aren't clashing over that period. That's all.
1: Well, I think earlier in the season, was it when did the season start this year? There was a, a time essentially where there was such a gap between games, between NBA finals games or players games, it would have made sense to have some WNBA games as well because yeah. you've got those slots. It's empty. Not There's not as much going on at the start of that season and you've got, you know, opportunity to to maybe get, get out there where people aren't watching the finals or watching something else.
2: I'm going to switch up this conversation quickly. I'm okay. going to praise the WNBA. <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm going to do it. We have a proper playoff system, people. Proper playoffs.
1: Yes. At
2: yeah. least it's yes. not a one-game
1: one game knockout. Yes.
2: None of that. Either, either, there's, there's two ways to do playoffs, and WNBA have done it wrong for years. Now they're doing it right with their best of three, then two best of fives. Maybe yep. you could make that final... I know I've just been moaning about it, but maybe the finals could be a best of seven. Who's just, I don't know, I'm just saying. But you either do this, or you do the KBO cream uh, baseball-style playoffs, where it's like this wild ladder, where like the seven and the eight play, but the seven have like a one-game advantage, and then the winner of that plays the six, then the five, then the four, then the... Th-
0: Okay, That's I'm sorry, just, there's too much maths in that for me. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now look. But this is we, a better system. <laughs> okay, before we wrap it up, there's two things I want to do. First of all, Eurobasket 23, Great Britain, how they're shaping up and what are your predictions?
2: Eurobasket 23, so the women's side of things. Yep. Yeah, so it oh.
1: kicks off November. I think it's going to be a new look team, isn't it? When you kind of look at the, the roster. So Joe's out. Um, I don't know.
2: Janice is out. Janice
1: is out. Yeah, cats cats out. When you look at the team that we had, was it February? I can't remember who they were playing. They didn't win. They didn't win in February. They looked like a new team playing together that hadn't played together too much. But when you look at the players that are going to be on there, so we're going to have, well, I would guess... You know, Holly Winterburn, who we've already spoken about, um, a fantastic talent coming through. um, And she's going to be like the the face of GB, I would think, for a long time. Players like Shanice Beckford-Norton and Shakila Joseph was on there. So a lot of the London team were on that GB team earlier in the year. We had Georgia Gale from Sheffield. So I think... We've got this new look, a lot younger team. Whether Temi Fagbenle will be playing, I know she was injured last time, but she's a great boost, obviously. like You re- would rather want a team with Temi than without. I think they're in a good position, but I wonder if there may be a cycle away from the qualifying, mm-hmm. just with the experience of not having played together too much and the changes, because I don't... Do you know, Darren, do you know what they wh- where they are currently, like what they need to... I, um, win with the losses. I think the losses in February might have hurt their chances this time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The the FIBA website is not providing me with what I'm looking for. But it, it does feel like we're in a using that word again, a real transition at the moment in terms of, you know, who's gonna start taking on the team. I think the G B squad is in a really exciting place, but I don't know if they're gonna make it to, to Eurobasket. I'm not sure if that's even I don't think it's impossible, but I think it's very difficult I, to get there. I
1: think they went 0-2 okay. in February, didn't they?
2: Yeah. If I remember.
1: And they may have even lost the November before. So I, th- I think it's an uphill they did. battle with them. Yeah. So I think it might be the next cycle. Uh, but one of the big things for GB that they need to sort out, or maybe it's FIBA, I can't remember who needs to sort it out. We need to get Kennedy Leonard on that team. So currently she's not classed as GB because she didn't apply for, I believe it was that she didn't have a GB passport before she was 16. Yeah, um, so correct. she has to become one of the players on the, the dual passport like Carly Samuelson. So you'd be picking between Carly Samuelson and Kennedy Leonard. I believe they've appealed. I don't know if you, you appeal to GB or to FIBA, but no, it's FIBA. silly rule. Don't like it. Kennedy Leonard should be playing for GB.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what you do, Kez while you're down here, go and find some of the, the fever officials.
1: I'll go have a word.
0: And have yeah. a word. <laughs> I'll
3: get it. Hey, I'll okay. be volun- I'll it. I'll be volunteering, so I'll hook you up. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get
0: Kennedy on that team. Yeah. Okay. And the final thing. You guys finally got to meet in real life.
1: We did, and it, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got to work together, didn't we? Then we got to hang out. So it was like it was fantastic. We met at the uh, the NBL playoff finals this year in uh, up in Manchester. So Darren came up. I was uh, co-commentating the the women's Division One and Division Two games, and Darren was presenting the whole weekend, weren't you? Yep. Um, so we got to actually, you know. Present one of the uh, the introductions to the the D two game together, um, and did we do D one as well?
2: No, me and oh, Kaz, uh, sorry, me and Cat did D one.
1: That was it. Yes,
2: And uh, yeah, you and I did did the Division two. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was it was really quite funny because um, firstly, somebody at Basketball England, John Hobbs, thought this guy he's he's somebody we should put in a microphone in front of and have in front of a camera. <laughs> for 15 segments across the two days. Let's do that. It's like, all right, cool. That's, that's awesome. Love that. And, um, uh, so I think you rocked it partway through the first men's game. I'm sat there and I'm watching the game and I'm just checking over at the door. It's like, Oh, and then Kaz walks in and it was, it was so nice. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, we finally get to meet also. Yeah. I think, um, I think Arike is going to have a great year. You know, I actually picked up whatever conversation you yeah. we were having, probably about Satu Sabali being un- unbelievable. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was it was very nice, and yeah, subsequently, we've gone and enjoyed a bit more basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaz uh, treated us all to courtside at the WBBL and BBL finals.
1: I, I got to thank Rhiann Bailey for that from the Mystics. She she hooked me up with those tickets.
2: And, uh, yeah, she's um, she doesn't like to talk about it, but she does have London Lions merch now. So I think we all know where her allegiance really are.
1: Hey, I've got a Mystics jersey. i got a one-of-the-kind Manchester Mystics jersey.
0: Such a nice jersey as well.
1: It is, it is nice. I like to wear it in my Lions hat and confuse people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we're expecting to see it all when you come down. Oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. I'll be decked out. <laughs>
0: All right, guys, it's been great having you back on the show. Really fantastic catching up. Looking forward to somewhere during your season try and, you know, get an update on what's happening. Mm -hmm. Also take care in the heat over there because I know it's (laughs) kind of been pretty miserable. And thanks for your time. It's been great. No, thank, thank uh, you
1: for having us. It's been great to be back, to catch up with you guys again. And, I, you know, we follow what you guys do and we love it. The stuff that you're putting out is is so good and you're doing such a fantastic job to promote the women's game, not just in Australia, just around the world. So, you know, keep doing that. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, Thanks. no, abs- absolutely the same. Just a huge thank you and congratulations to you both on what, what you're doing just in so you commentating yeah. at real high level so congratulations and keep it up yeah
3: get getting there i mean i can't guarantee the uh standard of commentary i'm giving is a high level but on <laughs> paper it looks like i'm commentating at a high level so thank it, you
1: it, we've listened it absolutely is it absolutely yeah.
0: is okay thanks guys Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.